1 Samuel 29 and verse 1. I'll tell you what, I love that song, In Christ Alone. I about got to Pentecostal status over here on the, the stage singing that song. Um, Jesus, when he was preaching in his earthly ministry, said, no man can serve two masters. He will either love the one and hate the other, or hold to the one and despise the other. He said, you can't serve God and money. Now, this is not a sermon about money, so some of you relax, okay? But uh, it is true that you cannot put two priorities as the number one priority in your life. Either Christ is number one or he's not. And uh, we need that Christ should be number one in everything in our lives, the first priority of our lives. Sometimes our priorities can slip. David was a man of God, a man of faith, but David slipped in his life. And chapter 27 tells us that David, without consulting with God, who had earlier told him to go back to Israel, uh, had now yet once again gone to Philistia to escape from Saul. And so he's out of the will of God. And as he's out of the will of God, you find him lying to Achish. He's telling Achish, I'm attacking Judah. I'm going to Judah, and I am uh, winning all these spoils of battle, and I'm bringing them to you. But uh, actually, he was going against Judah's enemies. And he, he was secretly, he was living in Ziklag, a city that uh, Achish had allowed him to live in, in Philistia, and had given that city to him. Uh, and so he was away from Philistine life. They didn't really know what he was doing. And David was deceiving Achish in his life. And then the time comes for Philistia to go to war with Israel. And Achish says, David, you're going to come with me. And he said, well, you'll see what your servant can do. And he's noncommittal. The whole way through, he never actually says, I'm fighting for Philistia. He's just kind of noncommittal. You'll see what your servant can do if you do that. And, uh, and so he's, he's finding himself, he's going up to the battle lines with the Philistines, and all of a sudden the Philistines, what, is, what are these Hebrews doing here? Achish, have you lost your mind? How much better could he find an opportunity uh, to ingratiate him again to Saul than by taking Saul's side in the battle against us? These Hebrews are not going up with us to battle. And so Achish tells David, he says, David, you're going to have to, to go back uh, to Ziklag. But he, he's saying, look, David, I know that you've been a good man. I, you've been reliable. You've, you've not done any wrong to me the whole time you've been with me. He doesn't know he's been lying to him. And David calls himself your servant. He says, your servant, Achish. Uh, the Philistines say, he's Saul's servant. And then uh, he says, the servants of your master, later on in the chapter. Uh, and he's emphasizing the fact, whose servant really is David here in this situation? 
where does David really belong? Well, the Philistines say he doesn't belong with us in battle. He needs to go back to Ziklag. But where is he supposed to be? And so there's this there's kind of double play going on and these questions that are being asked. And as the narrator presents them, he's saying, look, I'm, I'm hinting at the fact that David is not where he's supposed to be. He's not serving God as the number one priority of his life. And he's kind of lost his way in this season of time in his life. His priorities have shifted. We need Jesus to be the first priority of our lives. And uh, God can help us do that through the power of the Holy Spirit as we come to him and ask him to change our hearts and help us have the right priorities. The time of my message is evaluating your priorities. What areas do we need to evaluate? we're going to talk about but look with me at verse 1 of 1 Samuel 29 the Philistines brought all their military units together at Aphek while Israel was camping by the spring in Jezreel as the Philistine leaders were passing in review with their units of hundreds and thousands David and his men were passing in review behind them with Achish the Philistine commanders asked what are these Hebrews doing here Achish answered the Philistine commanders, This uh, is David, servant of King Saul of Israel. He has been with me a considerable period of time. From the day he defected until today, I have found no fault with him. The Philistine commanders, however, were enraged with Achish and told him, Send that man back and let him return to the place you've assigned him. He must not go down with us into battle, only to become our adversary during the battle. What better way could he regain his master's favor than with the heads of our men? Isn't this the David they sang about during their dances? Saul has killed his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. So Achish summoned David and told him, As the Lord lives, you are an honorable man. I think it is good to have you working with me in the camp, because I have found no fault in you from the day you came to me until today. But the leaders don't think you're reliable. Now go back quietly and you won't be doing anything the Philistine leaders think is wrong. But what have I done, David replied to Achish. From the first day I was with you until today. What have you found against your servant to keep me from going along in the fight against the enemies of my lord the king? Achish answered, David, I'm convinced that you are as reliable as an angel of God. But the Philistine commanders have said he must not go into battle with us. So get up early in the morning, you and your master's servants who came with you. When you've gotten up early, go as soon as it's light. So David and his men got up early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Evaluating your priorities. What areas do we need to evaluate? Well, first of all, evaluate your service. Your service. Who are you serving as first priority in your life? Now, David calls himself, in verse 3, servant, excuse me, the Philistines call him servant of King Saul. In verse 8, he says, uh, the leaders, he says, excuse me, uh, can't find my place. Okay, well, verse 8, it says something. Uh, Verse 10. Look at verse 10. Uh, So get up early in the morning, you and your master's servants. And so there's this conversation going back and forth. Who is David serving? Who is David serving? It's over and over again. Is he Saul's servant? 
Is he God's servant? Is he Achish's servant? Whose servant is he? You know, sometimes we can call ourselves the servant of God, but we may not be the servants of God primarily and first in our lives. Who do you serve as the first priority of your life? Uh, We're told to work in Scripture, but some people serve work in priority over God. Work is their first priority. What am I going to do? Well, if I've got nothing left to do for work, I'll do something for God. Um, And so, uh, are you putting God first in that area? Sometimes being a workaholic can be a temptation, can it? Well, if I get a little bit extra time, if I get some overtime here, I get extra pay, and you volunteer for your overtime, you miss church. Or you volunteer, and you're doing all this extra work, and God's time and your personal daily time with God gets crowded out in your life and you find yourself living for other priorities. Who are you serving? Some people serve their spouse as their first priority. Uh, Your spouse shouldn't be your first priority. God should be your first priority. Your spouse should be number two. But some people will put the wishes of their spouse ahead of the wishes of God. There's a lady in my last church, and she uh, was, um, had a husband who was lost, and her husband didn't want to go to church. And so she would stay home with him a lot of times rather than going to church. And she realized, she began to be convicted about this in her life, and finally she told her husband, she said, I love you, but I've got to put God first in my life, and I'm going to start going uh, to church uh, even if you, even if you don't want to go, and she began to go to church, and over time she she was committed in going to church, and God began to work in his life, and then he started coming to church. He came to church for about a year, got saved, and then began to grow and and become a leader in our church. What an amazing thing! Why? Because one person put God first. You don't know what God will do. When you put him first in your life. Uh, So put God first above your spouse. Some people put their kids first. By the way, your kids shouldn't be your first priority or your second priority. Hear me there. I I hear that so many times. Well, the kids are first. The kids are first. Your spouse needs to be first above your kids. God needs to be first above your spouse. That marriage between a man and a woman is the primary human relationship of your life and you need to put your spouse above your kids but some people put their kids even above God well my kids didn't want to go to church today so we didn't go or my kids wanted to go to this party or my kids wanted to go to this amusement park my kids this my kids that and the kids become the priority that they serve You need to put God first in your life. Uh, I love what Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Praise God. And by the way, let me give you a challenge, men. We're called to be the spiritual leaders of our home. Set the example in your home of putting God first and serving him as a first priority of your life. Your kids tend to follow what you do rather than what you say. Amen? Put God first in your life if you want to have an influence on your kids and help them out. 
So who do you serve? If your heart has become more attached to something else in your life, a hobby, whatever it may be, you need to confess that to God and say, Lord, I have sinned against you. I have put something before you. And I ask you to change my heart. Give me a heart that loves you in the way that you deserve to be loved. And it puts you first. And God delights to answer a prayer like that. And if you don't know Jesus, then that first step is to surrender uh, your life to him and receive his salvation by faith. Uh, and, and then he can become the first priority of your life. But you're surrendering your life to follow him in faith. So evaluating your priorities. What areas should you evaluate? First of all, your service. Secondly, your time. Your time. Look at with me at verse 3 again. Achish is speaking with the Philistine leaders and he says, He's been with me a considerable period of time. Uh, if you look in verse 6, he says, From the day you came to me until today. This emphasis of time. Verse 8, what have I done, David replied to Achish, from the first day I was with you until today. There's this emphasis on how David is spending his time. Where's David supposed to be? He's supposed to be in Israel. He's supposed to be spending his time where God told him to be. And he's spending his time elsewhere. Um, Time is such a precious commodity. We all have a limited amount. Every, every one of us has the same 24 hours a day. God has given us time to use and to use wisely. Uh, we are to spend time at work. We're to spend time with our families. Uh, we're to spend time in, in these different things. But first of all, we need to make time for God. Um, I, I, used to, I, I can remember having tests, and, you know, it's Wednesday night. Why is it that teachers assign so much on Wednesday night? It seems to be. I noticed that with my kids, too. They had the same issue. But I would have a test the next day on a Wednesday night. Do I go to church or do I study? And I just felt in my heart, I need to be in God's house. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to study when I go home. I'm not going to use it as an excuse not to study. But I am going to put God first. And I can remember one test I, I just felt completely unprepared for. And I'd, I had tried to study, but, uh, uh, but I, had, I had gone that night before. And I said, God, would you please take care of this test? And my teacher came in and she said, there wasn't enough paper in the office to print off your test. So we're not taking a test today. Uh, we'll get it the next period. And so... Uh, you know, it's amazing how God will bless you. Uh, somebody once said, prayer is an investment in your schedule. You'll get more done after you pray. A lot of people say, well, I don't have time to pray. No, you don't have time not to pray. You see, Martin Luther says uh, he would spend two hours in prayer with God per day. Boy, and that's impressive, isn't it? He says, on the days when I'm really busy, I get up an extra hour early and spend three hours in prayer. And he says, what I found is God blesses my time and I get more done when I pray than when I don't. You see, when you honor God with your time, God will honor you. So, is God first priority in your time? It's amazing to me. I, I go out in the community and, you know, we'll visit and, and, and try to witness to folks. And I'll hear something like this. Well, I work on Sundays. 
I'll say, oh, when do you work on Sundays? And they'll tell me, I'll say, oh, we have an evening service. Well, I, when I get off, uh, I have, I've got this, I have to do this. And, well, we have a Wednesday service. Guess what? They don't have time for any of it. Why? Because it's not a priority. I want to tell you something. Until you make God a priority in your life, you'll never have time for the things of God. You make time first for him as a priority. David was outside the will of God. He, he had shifted in his priorities. Now he's spending time with Achish when he should be spending time with the people of God. Um, and so uh, evaluating your priorities, evaluate your service, your time. Thirdly, your place. Your place. Verse 4. Let him return to the place you assigned him. Now, rewind with me for a second to chapter 27. David requested that Achish would appoint him a place where he could be. Uh, and so Achish said, you can have Ziklag. And, and, and David was living in Ziklag. That's what he's talking about. The Philistine commanders are saying, let him go back to Ziklag. But the place you assign him. Here is a pagan king telling God's anointed where he should be. David wasn't supposed to be in Ziklag. He was supposed to be in Israel. He had gone to the wrong place. You remember the story of Abraham? God tells Abraham, you leave the Ur of the Chaldees, you go to a place, I'll tell you. And he goes to the land of Palestine, and he, he's living and moving around in Palestine, and then there's a famine. And what does he do? He leaves. He goes down to Egypt. There's no record of any prayer, just in the same as, as, as David's situation. No record of any prayers. He's just like, okay, i got to eat. I'm going to go to Egypt. He doesn't bring his problem to God. And so he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, he lies about his wife, and she is taken into Pharaoh's household uh, to be a wife of Pharaoh. Uh, ultimately, somehow, Pharaoh figures, figures out what's going on and confronts Abraham and ejects him from Egypt. And this whole time period of Abraham's life is a time period of, of discipline and hardship because he's not in the place where God has told him to be. And the scripture tells us in Genesis he came back to Bethel there where he was there before in the time there when he had worshipped God. There's this emphasis in the scripture about where, where he's supposed to be. Same thing is true with David here. He's not in the place where God has told him to be. Now, this could be a geographical place. Some of you, uh, God may have laid upon your hearts to be somewhere else. And you said, no, I'm not leaving my family. I'm not going somewhere else to minister for God or to work or whatever. I'm comfortable here. You may be geographically out of the will of God. But sometimes the place may be where you spend your leisure time. Did you know that Jesus needs to be Lord of everything in your life? From where you spend your time to who your companions are. Um, you can be in the wrong places. Um, Proverbs warns against this over and over again. It says the companion to fools will be destroyed. You spend all your time with people who are worldly, who have ungodly priorities. Guess what? They're going to influence you in a negative way. And you're going to see yourself drifting spiritually in your life. You need to be in the place where God tells you to be. Uh, you need to be in, in your uh, 
right relationship with your spouse. Uh, you need to be in the right place uh, in, the, in terms of your employment. I, I do believe that God calls us to certain places. Do you believe that? You believe that your workplace is someplace that God has called you? You say, well, God calls preachers. No, I believe God calls everybody. You know, that's where we get the word vocation from. It means to be called out to, to some task. Uh, God has sent you somewhere in your workplace or maybe in your leisure activities to be an influence on people for Christ. And so... Uh, be in the place where God wants you to be. And if God has convicted you, sometimes there, there may be a place where God just says, you don't need to be here. Um, somebody was once sharing with me, uh, uh, his wife had been going to this particular place that was kind of, it wasn't really a, a bar, but it was kind of barish, and And there were some things that went on at that place that really should have been going on. And, and, uh, and God just began to deal with her. I don't need to be in this place. This is not good for my testimony. Uh, and, and I don't think it pleases Jesus. And so she began to be convicted about that. And she said, I'm not going to go back to that place. She was being sensitive to the Lord. Some Christians say, well, I'm going to go wherever I want to go. Well, yeah, you can. But if you follow God's will in your life and you're sensitive, you know, some of you have temptations in your life, and you don't need to be in certain places because of the temptation. If you go, you know, it's like, uh, uh, I heard Neil Anderson one time talk about this. He says, you know, you're an alcoholic. And, and you say, well, I'm not going down that street where that, uh, where that bar is or where that convenience store is that sells liquor. I'm not going to go down that street. You say, well, I go down that street, but I won't stop. Well, I'll stop, but I won't go in. Well, I'll go in, but I won't get any. I'll just look. And then you're, as you're walking through, you're saying, God, if it's not your will for me to buy this liquor, help the preacher to be standing there. And so you, you know, and before long you're going out with it, right? You had no business being in that place. Okay? Some, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have a, have a weakness in your life, and you need to be careful where you are. So, in Proverbs, the scripture says to the young man, it says, don't even go down the street where the prostitute lives. Uh, that's a wisdom. So, uh, evaluate your priorities in terms of your place. Uh, evaluate your service, your time, your place. Finally, your reputation. Your reputation. You know your priorities have slipped when it begins to damage your reputation. David, in verse 6, Achish says, As the Lord lives, you are an honorable man. This is full of irony. David's been lying to him ever since he first started living with him. He's been anything but an honorable man. He's been deceiving him. I think it is good to have you working with me in this camp. Because I have found no fault in you. Did you know you can deceive people, but you can't deceive God? And in verse 9, I'm convinced that you are as reliable as an angel of God. Boy, he had Achish fooled, didn't he? 
the Philistines say, hey, it's not good for him to be here with us. Just you, the whole time you're thinking, yeah, he's not as reliable as an angel of God. He's lying to you, Achish. Wake up. But you see, when your priorities shift, ultimately it ends up hurting your reputation for the things of God. And ultimately, the Philistines were going to find out about David because David ultimately would go back to Judah. He would ultimately be their king. And they would find that everything that he had told them was a lie. When your priorities shift, your reputation can be damaged. I heard uh, Charles Stanley share, share a story one time, and he said that a man in his church told him that they were interviewing secretaries. And he said there's a certain secretary there that he just thought, you know, I'm convicted. I don't. I feel like I do not need to hire her. I feel like God's God's given me a check about that for my heart. But she was eminently qualified, and she was very good at what she did, and she was very good looking. So he hires her, and then he begins to rationalize. He goes and he, and he has lunch with her. Before long, he's had an affair with this woman. His marriage is broken, his testimony is ruined, his reputation is in shambles, and he's reaping the harvest for his sin. Priorities are important. You see, if his priority was in the right place, what he would have done when God gave him that check in his spirit about hiring that woman, he would not have hired her. Say, so, well, equal opportunity employer. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You better listen to God. About what you do. When your priorities shift, it ends up damaging your reputation. Listen, life is too short. Uh, Hell is too real. Heaven is too valuable. Relationship with God is too precious to waste your reputation and to have wrong priorities in your life. Uh, Make sure you put God first in your life. Evaluate your priorities. What about your service? What about your time? What about your places that you are? What about your reputation? Is Jesus first in your life? We're going to see there's some discipline, I think, that comes to David's life. We didn't get that far in in the story, but I want you to know something. Whether discipline comes or not, it's important for you as God's child to have your priorities straight. The Bible says, I've come that you might have life and might have it abundantly. God wants you to have an abundant, rich, meaningful life in relationship with him. But when your priorities are out of whack, you're quenching the spirit of God. And you will not have joy in your life. Surrender to him. And if you're having trouble with that, say, Lord, change my heart. God, I I have wrong priorities. I'm not right with you. Maybe some of you will need to come down to this altar this morning and just tell God. Lord, my priorities are not right. Would you change my heart? If you'd like me to pray with you, I'd be happy to pray with you. But uh, bring that to God and ask God to quicken you and give you the strength to make the right decision for him. And uh, then surrender your heart to him anew and afresh and your joy can return.
But as long as their priorities are out of whack, you won't have joy in your walk with God. You also won't have victory spiritually over temptation. Because guess who helps you in temptation? The Lord. And when you're quenching the Spirit of God, you're quenching your partner to help you in times of temptation. You also won't have power in ministry. If you're serving God in some way, you won't have the touch of God upon your your ministry because your priorities are out of whack. You know, we can impress each other. David had Achish impressed. But the Bible says man looks at the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. He sees what's going on inside. So if your priorities are not right as as a child of God this morning, I just want to ask you to come deal with that, whether through prayer or surrender or through requesting a prayer from a brother here this morning. If you're here tonight or today and you don't know Christ, the Bible says that every person has to repent. Unless you repent, your law likewise perish. You need to surrender your heart to Christ. You say, I don't want to surrender my heart. It's okay. You can ask God. I believe that's a prayer of a lost person that God will answer. Help me surrender to you, Lord. Help me trust you. Uh, give me what I need and, and help so that I can, the courage that I need to step out, maybe it's to make that public decision is a, is a struggle for you. Not that you have to make that decision publicly, but Jesus did say, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you won't confess me before men, neither will I confess you before my Father in heaven. So we at least need to be able to, to admit that we know Christ, right? And, and be, be willing to confess that we know him. But I think it's, it's good. That Jesus called people publicly, didn't he? And, and taking that public stand to say, hey, I'm identifying with Christ. That's one reason we do baptism. It's a statement. I am following Christ, and I don't care who knows it. I've made a decision to die to my old way of life, to follow Christ, to receive his salvation. I've been plunged down into the cleansing stream and raised up to walk in righteousness. I'm making that my testimony and my decision publicly. If you don't know Christ, I, I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Uh, but surrender to him. Put him first in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and for the way that it speaks to us and confronts us. And uh, Lord, I know that this is...